And welcome to The Word Encounter, episode 182, where we will continue on in the book of Matthew. We are in chapter 12, and it says, Commissioning the Twelve. The Word says in verse 1, Summoning his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. So what we see here is that Jesus commissioned his twelve disciples And he gave them authority. He did not send them out unarmed. See, a lot of people go out and they start doing things uh, based on what they feel they should be doing and whatnot. But they're not being sent by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And they're not being empowered to go out and do things. They're just doing things on their own. And so what this speaks to me is that you have to make sure that when you're going out there into the uh, battlefield, if you will, that you are being appropriately armed. You see, so the Lord Jesus did not send the disciples out without the appropriate weaponry. It says um, he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He handed them. He armed them. He said, now go and heal every disease and sickness. Then we drop down to verse five. It says Jesus sent out the 12. uh, Jesus sent out these 12 uh, after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, so why would the Lord do this? He's saying, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to non-Jews. See, just go to the Jewish folks and, 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 and seek out the lost sheep. Well, the Lord is very consistent in this. In this. He says, you know, first in my house and then to the outermost parts of the earth. You see, he, he says that when he talks about judgment, he says, judgment will begin in my house, then it will flow from there. And so he's being consistent in his word. Now, why? Why the Jews first? I don't know. You know, that's God. I don't know. But he's telling he's telling the disciples, don't go to the Gentiles just yet. Time is coming for that. First, go to the lost sheep of Israel. In verse seven, it says, as you go, proclaim The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely you give. And so what the Lord is saying here is, uh, he says it in verse 9, don't take gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. In other words, don't uh, charge folks. This is a challenging word, right? He's saying, go forth. Freely you have been given this power that I have authorized you to use. Freely give it away. Don't charge. But in the next verse, he says, don't take a traveling bag for the road or an empty or an extra shirt, sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his food. So what the Lord is saying, don't charge. You know, he's saying don't charge anything. But if people want to grant you things, you know, then yes, take it. You can take it because the worker is worth is worthy of his food. You are doing a work. You are doing a heavenly work, and therefore you are worth your food. And, and, and so the people who are receiving your word, who are receiving your works, the onus is on them to take care of you. It says in verse 11, it says, when you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. Verse 14, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. And so Jesus is saying, look, 
I've got a word for them that the kingdom of heaven is near. If you come across folks who don't want to hear it, then leave. Shake the dust off your uh, uh, sandals. That was a sign in those days of, of um, disdaining <laughs> where you're coming from. So that was a sign. Okay, fine. Knock the dust off my shoes and keep on trucking, right? And so what we have a lot of times today is you have people, you know, uh, Christ-believing, Bible-believing Bible Christians, many times trying to stuff the gospel down people's throats. They're trying to stuff something into unwilling and undesiring vessels. The word is saying here, don't do that. You see, if you've ever been on the other end of that, somebody trying to stuff something down your throat that has to do things with the Bible, they are not, they are not in compliance with what Jesus is telling his disciples to do. See, he's saying evaluate the vessel. If the vessel is willing, pour into the vessel. If the vessel doesn't want to hear it, knock the dust off your shoes and keep on trucking, baby. You know, don't try to stuff things down people's throat that don't want to hear it. You're wasting your time and mine. It says in verse 15, truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And so what the Lord is saying if people don't want to hear what you got to say, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You just move on, knock the dust off, and go on to the next town or the next house. I'll take care of the unbeliever. Don't you concern yourself with it. In verse 16, uh, it says, um, persecution, persecution's predicted. Look, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd or as wise as a serpent. And as innocent as a dove. So Jesus is saying, look, <laughs> don't ignore your instincts. Don't ignore the wisdom that I poured into you. Be shrewd. Be cunning when you go out there dealing with these people. Be as shrewd as a serpent. You know, exercise all the wisdom that you have. Use your brain. But be as innocent as a dove with regard to your motivations. Be innocent. You know, want the best thing for want want the best things for people, the best things of the kingdom. Want that for people. If they don't want to hear it, again, that's on them, not you. I'll handle those people. You just do what I tell you to do, but don't ignore your wisdom. Don't do don't do anything stupid. I believe is what Jesus is telling uh, his disciples. In verse eighteen. It says, "You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me." See, not because of you. You will be brought before these rulers and these high-ranking people because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But it says in verse 19, when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what to say. See, For you will be given what to say at that hour. So Jesus said, look, when you come before, before these important people, these government rulers and leaders, don't even think about what to say because the spirit is going to pour into you what to say. It says in verse 20, because it isn't you speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. So Jesus is saying, don't be concerned. Don't be nervous about going in front of these people because you will be given the words from the father and they will flow through you onto those who are intended to hear it. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will raise up against parents and have them put to death. 
You will be hated by everyone. Why? Because of my name. So Jesus is warning them what the situation is going to be. You're going to be hated by everybody because of my name, because of me. And because you are my disciples, they hate me, so they're going to hate you. It says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so we find out here that being a follower of the Lord requires endurance. It requires a degree of confidence in what you believe such that it powers you or it empowers you to endure. To endure to what people say, to endure what people um, try to get you to do, to endure uh, people trying to get you to turn from your faith, to endure um, all of the wickedness and evil out there, to endure uh, resisting temptation. Resisting temptation is, is, is an interesting thing because something wouldn't be a temptation is it if it wasn't on some level desirable. So you can't tempt people with bad things. You can tempt people that appeals to things that they may want. You see, sin is so powerful because it has an element of attraction to it. It offers something to people that they want or else it wouldn't be temptation. And that happens to believers and unbelievers alike. But the word says, if you endure, if you resist those things, if you endure, it says you will be saved. We drop down here to verse 25. It says, it is enough for a disciple, it is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they call the head of the house Beelzebub, in other words, if they call the head of the house a devil, how much more the members of his household? So if the people are calling me a devil, then certainly you as my followers and disciples are going to be called devils by the society at large. And so we see a lot of that today when, you know, when, 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 when people associate evil with good and good with evil and, and you stand for truth, righteousness, and justice, then it makes people mad. See, and then they try to put you in a, a particular um, bin or category in order to discredit you. So like today, what they do, they call you a hater. <laughs> they, call you, it, they call you a hater if you don't subscribe to the things that they want you to anoint, that they want you to say is okay. Then you get called a hater, right? You, be, you get called a hater just for following the tenets of the Lord and being righteous. And so those are uh, tactics and uh, strategies in order to get God's people to turn from uh, the things of righteousness. Fear God. Verse 26, therefore, don't be afraid of them. So, you know, Jesus is just talking about, you know, sending, sending his disciples out and to be shrewd and knock the dust off your feet and all this. And so he's telling them now, don't be afraid of them. Since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. See? So what Jesus is saying, look, the wickedness and the evilness is going to come to light. It's going to have its day. You know, I'm going to make sure that the light is shown on these things. Okay, so don't be afraid of them. In verse 28, it says, don't fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Now, this, in my opinion, is very, very critical because it's so difficult. What Jesus is telling you to do is to don't be concerned 
about the status of your physical body and your physical life. That's just the physical life. What you need to be concerned about is the condition of your soul. You see, they can't kill that. They can't kill your spirit. They can kill your body, but they can't kill your spirit. And so in saying this, Jesus is telling you what the priority is. As far as eternity is concerned, as far as God's perspective is concerned. See, because your physical body doesn't necessarily have any implication on the status of your eternal life, but your spirit does. And your eternal life, from God's perspective, is way more important and critical than the status of your physical body. What do most of us do? We prioritize the status of our physical bodies because that's what we know. Right? We don't understand this eternal thing. We, we, we don't get it. And so we prioritize that which we understand. But Jesus is coming against our priority system. It says, rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. See, and only God can do that. See, God can destroy your soul and body in hell. It says, fear that one. Don't fear these other folks. It says, verse 29, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent? But even the hairs of your head uh, have all been counted. Verse 31, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And so Jesus is putting forth a God's perspective, trying to get the people to see, right? He says, look, God knows everything about everything that's going on on the face of the planet. He knows, you know, when, the, when a sparrow falls to the ground, you're way more important than that, way more critical than that, you know? So that is the person you are to be in awe of. That is the person that you are to revere. Don't be concerned about these other folks and these other things. And it says acknowledging Christ. Verse 32, it says, therefore, who will acknowledge me before others? That's a good question. He says, I will also, well, let me back up. It says, therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others... <laughs> I stated that wrong. My fault. Therefore, everyone who will, who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. See, this is conditional, right? He says, if you acknowledge me before others and you put yourself out there and you make yourself vulnerable to, to criticisms, um, mocking, uh, shame and all other things, if you do this before man, Jesus says, I will essentially be your defense attorney and I will acknowledge you before my father in heaven. Uh, Jesus saying, I will vouch for you. If you vouch for me while you're alive on earth, then before my father in heaven, I will vouch for you. Verse 33, but whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my father in heaven. See, so Jesus is giving us, giving us the choice, right? If you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my father. But if you deny me before man, when you come before my father, I won't know you. Verse 34, don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, this is <laughs> this comes against what most people's perspective and view is on Jesus. 
Jesus is essentially saying, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring war. You see, and so what, what Jesus has come to do is to bring war against sin. That's why he came. He came to, to, to abolish the works of the enemy, to, to, to proclaim war against sin. In verse 35, he says, I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be members of his household. Wow. There will be different perspectives on, on Jesus in households. There will be different perspectives, or I should say there are different perspectives on what it means to follow Jesus. There are di different perspectives on whether even Jesus is who he says he is within a family. And these things are going to cause and have caused and do cause consternation within family units. You know, some people think people take the Jesus thing too far. They're too, they're too radical. Okay, they're too fanatical. Other people think that folks don't take the Jesus thing far enough. Some folks don't have any belief in Jesus and think everybody who listens to anything he says is crazy. All within a family. That causes issues. That causes huge issues. And Jesus is saying, that is what I came to do. To empower my people to confront those and not to deny me, which is what they want them to do. They don't want to hear about it. Again, not trying to stuff anything down their throats, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to deny them. Verse 37, it says, The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. So again, he's setting a priority. He's telling people, this is what it takes. See, if you prioritize these, these relationships over me, then you're not worthy of me. Verse 38, and whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up you know, the sin in his life, whoever doesn't confront the sin in his life and, and, and do something about it, that person is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Now, what does this mean? Anyone who finds his life. If you're living your life just for you, and you have found yourself in this earth with regard to what you believe you are to do in your humanity and whatnot that does not, in, that does not include the things of the Lord, you know, this is... You're going to lose your life because you don't understand the priorities. And anyone who gives up their own selfish ambition and whatnot with no uh, 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 thinking with regard to uh, how it's going to affect them because they are committed to doing the things of the Lord. It says the person that does that, they will find their life. In other words, they will get their direction from the Lord and it will be a fulfilling direction because they are seeking their life in the Lord. See? And the word promises that God gives us good things. And one of the good things he can give us is direction. 
See, one of the compelling things, one of the fulfilling things that he can give us is direction. But we have to be willing to give up control. We have to be willing to give up the notion and the thought that it's all on me to decide what it is that I am to do. A cup of cold water, the word says in verse 40. The one who welcomes you welcomes me, and the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, if you welcome me into your heart, then you are welcoming God into your space. See, you are inviting God to come and govern over you. That's what you're doing. Mm. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, whoever shows compassion to children, because he is a disciple, because he is a follower of me, if anyone who shows compassion to children because they are a disciple of me, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. Chapter 11, John the Baptist doubts. And this is, this is interesting, right? This is John the Baptist. It says, now when John heard in prison uh, that the Christ, uh, what the Christ was doing, he sent a message to his disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And so John is confused, right? He's saying, you know, I baptized him. Remember, <laughs> he's, I know he's, a, I believe he's the Messiah, but I'm sitting here in jail, in prison. Are you really the Messiah? So John is doubting. And then it says in verse four, Jesus replied to him, go and report to John what you hear and see. He's telling his followers, uh, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, uh, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. It's an interesting statement. Verse seven says, as these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. And so he says, uh, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? He says, what then did you, uh, yeah, what then did you go out to see? He asked him again, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is, uh, this is the one about whom it is written. And so this is interesting, right? And so John is doubting who Jesus is. He's unsure. And what does Jesus do? He's affirming who John is. See, so, so even though John doubted and has been doubting, Jesus is now affirming him. He says, this is, uh, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. So this is God talking. This is, this is a prophetic word in, in Micah chapter 3, verse 1, I believe it is. It says, see, I am sending my messenger. This is God saying, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. So the Lord is saying, I'm sending my messenger, John, and he's going to be a herald in the wilderness, and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And so in verse 11, it says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. And then the word goes on to say, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent have been seizing it by force. Now, what does that mean? Nobody really knows. There are some interpretations that are different, but it's not really clear. And so the reason I'm bringing it up is because there are things that are just not revealed to us in the Bible. So at this point in time in history, so we just don't know. So I don't know exactly what that means. Then it says an unresponsive generation. It says, uh, to what should I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace 
And so Jesus is saying, what should, you know, what can I compare this to? He said, they're like children. Well, let's go on. It says in verse 18, for John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. So John came, he didn't eat or drink. He lived out in the wild. He ate, you know, bees and honey and, and, and whatnot. And so they said, that's a why he's a lunatic. He's a, he's a demon. It says in verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunken and a drunkard. And so, you know, Jesus came eating and, and drinking. He was, you know, he was drinking wine. You know, a lot of people come against alcoholic consumption and whatnot. But Jesus made wine at a wedding feast. We haven't gotten that, you know, gotten to that yet. And, you know, he drank wine himself. So I don't know. He says, uh, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And so what was being said here is Jesus is saying, but, but look, just be patient because wisdom will reveal itself and you'll see who's telling the truth and who is not telling the truth. Then it says in verse 20, then he proceeded to denounce the towns where most of the miracles were done because they did not repent. Now, remember, he came and uh, Peter's mother was ill. He cured her. And what did she do? Immediately, she started to serve Jesus. But what he's saying is, is that he did miracles in these towns. And once the people got healed, they just continued on living the way they were living and they didn't repent. And he's saying, woe to those towns, you know, because he essentially says that they're going to be worse off than Sodom and Gomorrah. Then it says, um, the son gives knowledge and rest. Verse 25, it says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. So you've got people out there that deny the word and they lean on science and they, they think that they, their intelligence and wisdom surpasses those of those who believe in the things of God. And so uh, Jesus is praising his father, you know, praising God in heaven because he has hidden uh, the wise things, uh, the things of heaven, the things of God. He has hidden those things from those who claim to be wise and knowledgeable and intelligent. And so but he says, but re you reveal those to the humble. He says, all things have been entrusted to me by my father. No one knows the son. That no means an intimate knowing, an intimate knowledge. It says no one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son desires to reveal him. So Jesus is saying that nobody knows the father in heaven like me, and nobody knows me like the father in heaven. But I will allow those who believe in me to understand the things of heaven because I will reveal them to them. Verse 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, verse 30, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We've just talked about some things that, from my perspective, are not light burdens, right? As far as father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, you know, I've come with a sword. I've come, you know, these things to me sound like very heavy burdens. But Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy. Yoke being a wooden thing that goes around the neck of an ox so that when he pulls things, he can pull plows and other things. And he's saying, my yoke is easy. What I'm, what I'm asking of you is easy. And then the burden, I'm not burdening you with anything heavy. And so how can we have this difference? And, and to me, it's all, about, it's all about perspective. 
So from my perspective, the things that I think are heavy and burdensome, God doesn't think so. See, because I'm, I'm, I'm evaluating things based on my understanding of things. And so when I look at things in, in comparison, what the Lord, I believe, is saying is like, in comparison, what I'm requiring of you is very light. See, you may not think it's light because you have a different view. You, you have a wrong view of things. And so the issue is, how, is, is our perspective and how we see things. And that's how we evaluate things. And because we don't see things from the perspective of the Lord, we don't come to the same conclusions. And so the challenge is, is to see things from his perspective, not from our perspective. And with that, we are finished for the day. And remember, uh, the constant and consistent invitation is going out from the Lord. And the word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Don't hesitate in doing that. Everybody take care. Have a great day. Be blessed. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow in episode 183, I believe it is, or two. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.